Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Be Honest with Just Jonda. I'm your host, Just Jonda, and I am hopping on here remotely, so you may hear some sounds that are a bit different because this just really couldn't wait. I had planned in advance to give you all a show later where we talked about all the other stuff, you know, with our normal format, um, things that are going on in pop culture, some of the news items, of course, politics, and of course, uh, the Georgia election, because we couldn't get away from that. I mean, that was huge. But I'll be damned if so much didn't happen today that we just have to get into it now. So notice you didn't get my cool music at the beginning. We'll come back to that later because, boy, do we have some cases to discuss. Um, you may even get two episodes of my weekly uh, Just John Does LBD that I talked about before, which is the legal breakdown. Um, we're going to have some stuff that will air towards legal here, but not all of it will be that. So let's get into it. So today is January 6, 2021. It is a day that is several people, you know, it's some significance if it's your birthday, I suppose, but <laughs> it's also significant for what I'm going to call the 9,999.999 reason why the Electoral College is outdated, outmoded, exhausting, and just causes even more drama. So once again, we have, we find ourselves being dragged through a mess regarding something that normally we wouldn't even hear about. And what is that? Well, I'll tell you, that is the certification of the electoral college vote that took place in December. What the hell is that? Many of you will ask, well, you've probably found out even more than you ever wanted to know because of everything that has transpired today or really probably over the last few days. So basically what was supposed to happen today, and um, I'll give you a quick and dirty on that, and then we'll get into what really happened and how we got here. So what was supposed to happen today, and this is, I, I, let's call this step one and how we got here. And here, by here, I mean it's 5.52 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and in eight minutes, there is a 6 p.m. curfew going down in D.C., and that curfew being so strict that no one is supposed to be allowed on the streets of D.C. unless you are law enforcement or have some type of federal business and, and not just even random federal government employees, but like real business. So, so when I say how we got here, that is the here. The other piece of here is the rioting. So that's the here. So step one is 
yet another exhaustive electoral college procedure. This one is where the both houses uh, meet, the Senate and the House of Representatives. So you will have a joint session with the president of the uh, the president of the Senate, which is um, which is Mike Pence sitting in in his fancy seat uh, as uh, because he's the vice president. They would meet and the quick and dirty. And if you want more about this procedure, uh, USA Today does a fantastic. They put it in today. I even posted it on Facebook. I'll put it in the description box for this episode as well, um, because it's a cute little civics lesson that hopefully we won't have to deal with it again. But the quick and dirty is that each state will be called out and the uh, the individuals who excuse me and the individual who's uh who their electoral votes go to they'll say you know we uh the state of Montana let's say cast their they cast x number of votes for president trump and they will ask the chamber because again this is is in the huge chamber because it's joint it's joint they'll ask the chamber are there any objections no okay and they go on and and that's you know and that's basically the way it works now if there is an objection and that's where things were getting messy and that's why this procedure which is typically and largely ceremonial, which is why we never hear about it other than perhaps a footnote on the news when, uh, in any other election year where the news people will give you all the stories of the day and go, oh, by the way, in other news, the uh, Congress has certified the Electoral College and then they go on because it's just really not a big story. It's just this historical thing that they do for some individuals in Congress who just happen to be elected during a a year when there was a presidential election. This may even be one of their first official duties in taking office, which is kind of cool for them if they're newly elected, but largely ceremonial. It's in the Constitution, and, and that's what they do. But anyway, if there is an objection The objection has to be signed on by at least one member of the House and one member of the Senate. And in addition, and then, of course, they need to say what the objection is. And they then have the opportunity to go into basically like a committee-like session where they go back and forth on that objection and and there is they get 2 hours to de- to debate it and that's that and you know and then and then, then they go on so as some of you may have heard but still may not have quite been like okay but didn't the electoral college meet in December so i think a lot of people ignored it there was it started out with one or two congress people i think ted he called my wife ugly but i still support him cruz and a few others who just i don't know bored uh they came out sometime last week saying they were going to lodge an objection okay 
I, you know, it was, it started out as just a couple of people. I think as of maybe Monday, the last I had heard, it was maybe like 11 or 12 people. And again, a lot of these were senators or, or Congress people that you really don't hear all that much from because, I mean, who wants to put themselves out there? Because I think one of the first Congress people that said it, I mean, he's so nobody, I can't even remember who he is or where he came from. However, by this morning, news people were reporting that uh, several news outlets were reporting that they had gotten word that there were going to be as many as a hundred people. Now, again, that that's people like signed on to each other's bills. So that doesn't mean that all 50 states were going to be contested because it could be like five or 10 people all under signing under one objection. But anyway, that as many as a hundred people, including Mitch McConnell, were going to uh, wage these objections, which would essentially hold up the process, uh, hold up the process. Now, would that change very much of anything? No. But what it would do is at least for the next day or so, because, you know, in two weeks, President-elect Biden is going to be sworn in, whether you like it or not. But basically, it was just going to end up acting as what I would call like a little funky filibuster type event that was just going to muddy up the process for a day or two and just cause more debate and more derision, especially in light of the fact that uh, given the results of the Georgia election, they were going to probably be even more pissed off anyway. Okay. So that's how that process was going to work. So we knew there might be some, as we're going to call it, some uh, some attempt at some funky filibustering. So that's that. What ended up happening uh, as, uh, so I'm going to put that on. So that's issue number one that led us, to, that led, leads to how we got here. Number two is President Trump, along with his supporters around the country, called for a march uh, or whatever you want to call it, a, a protest. I believe they did call it a march from the um, branding that I saw in D.C. that would be scheduled for today because, of course, today was going to basically be the final nail in the coffin for this whole thing. Because despite the 60 court cases around the country that got thrown out, apparently they just absolutely needed to make a last, I don't know, a last hurrah um, as it relates to this event that he doesn't even attend. But okay, whatever. So that's how we got. So so that is number two on the list of how we got here, because obviously that is how everybody ended up in the city. Now, uh, number three is a combination of two things. And those are probably it's, it's probably the match that was lit on the powder keg. That is number two, which is all of these folks showing up in D.C. 
So you have words from President Trump in two areas. Now, the first was on, I mean, of course, the Twitter is going constantly. So, you know, and I, oh, Lord, I sound like old people. I mean, the, the Twitter as in his tweeting, that, that never ends. So his constant tweeting. So, you know, there, and, and when you go on there, it gets a little scary. I can't always read it, but he's, it's, he's got his followers, but obviously, you know, it's social media. There's still not everybody is religious about it. So it really does boil down to what you say um, out in the public. So on Saturday, there was a phone call, Saturday, January 2nd, that President Trump had with the officials in Georgia. I believe on the line, of course, was the Georgia Secretary of State, who they have just beat his brains out um, with all of this. There were like maybe three or four officials from Georgia and President Trump and an attorney from here in D.C. And I actually have the transcript from it, so I can tell you, I hope, without screwing up this because I'm recording it uh, on my phone because, as I said, I'm out and about. So uh, anyway, they were on and they had this conversation. So let me pull the transcript because you guys will not believe how crazy (laughs) – how crazy this phone call got, but it, it, it was definitely more than a hot mess. Okay, here it is, transcript. So, all right, so he had Mark Meadows, who's the chief of staff, um, and they had, uh, let's see, attorneys that represent the president. Uh, you had Alex uh, and Cleta Mitchell. Um, it's not an attorney of record, but she was involved you had, again, the Secretary of State of Georgia, who has constantly been just beat to senseless through all of this. So you had all of that going on. And the phone call really was like the rantings of a guy who would not leave after last call, even after the lights came on, when it come, when, when it's just the bartender cleaning up the counter and the other, and the last waiter or waitress sweeping the floor. He is the person that won't even allow you to put him in the cab or call an Uber because on top of the fact that he won't leave, he also won't shut up. On social media, I also refer to him as that ex, and most of us have had one, that annoying ex who will not go away and not stop begging. That ex that even if they don't do anything to physically hurt you, you still have to threaten them with some kind of restraining order or stalking charges to make them leave you alone. The one who is so annoying, they are like a bad R&B song by Keith Sweat singing, then you go telling me no again. Yes, that that is who, and no, I don't sound like that. That's that's my impression of Keith Sweat. It got so crazy. At one point, he just told them, look, I need you to find 11,780 votes because the current margin is only 11,779. So basically, you find me 
those votes. And, you know, maybe I'll leave you alone. And he kept going. He went on about addresses and this and that. So, again, this feeds the narrative that um, that the election was stolen. Now, granted, this was not a public phone call. It was a phone call with public officials, but it was not a public phone call. But I bring that up because, again, it just tells you the sentiment. Hey, Sharita. And so this goes on. So he goes on and on with uh, with that phone call. So the next thing, you know, um, President Trump, then, uh, you know, it, it comes out somebody who was on the call. There weren't many people on the call, but somebody who was on the call leaked it. And when they leaked the call, the it all hell broke loose. I believe it was the Washington Post. The Washington Post, of course, the main piece they leaked was the fact that he was looking for those votes. So, of course, that got outrage going, to say the least. The next thing, you know, as of, I believe, I think I pulled it yesterday. As of yesterday morning, the entire transcript and recording of the call was leaked. Um, If you want to if you want to feel like you're tripping on some type of hallucinogenic but not actually take one because I'm not advocating that but if you just want to feel that way listen to this phone call I guarantee you by 20 minutes in you will be convinced that you're high I know I was and and I was you know it was just a regular ass day so that was so that was that. And with that phone call being leaked and pieces of it, it still fed into this narrative. So it kind of tells you where his mindset is and the constant feeding of this narrative to his base. Because, of course, this is constant with him 24 hours a day on Twitter. Then you have the actual event that took place today that started out as big protests and rallying. And and I will give it to him. It's a bunch of people there uh, by most estimates, about 30,000 people. Uh, this was clearly better organized and better put together than the events uh, than some of the other rallies they've had. And and I mean, no shade to them. They've had people come to town. But this, I say this was very clearly well organized because there was money that was put behind it. There was a stage, there was branding, uh, and not just the normal Trump flags that people come with, but there was, uh, there's like a whole thing that these folks, uh, that these folks came with and had set up. So we, so we saw that going on. And, um, and, and while I'm at it, guys, you, you may hear me pausing a bit because I'm just making sure that, uh, some of my other social media followers know that we are live on the air. So I'm just doing, had to do a little side texting while I do it. So that's what happens when you are so fired up, you decide to produce a quick show from your car. So, <laughs> so at any rate, all of these individuals are, all of these individuals are there and there's branding, there's marketing, there's a full stage. I'm talking scaffolding, microphones, everything. 
So again, money put into this and they actually had President Trump as a speaker. So those so I'm going to so those are your elements and I'm and, and for those who have been following, I'm still on that that third element that gets us to where we are. So he he's got the whole rally, everybody comes together. Now, not only are these individuals encouraged by the fact that the president wants us here, but they all do get here and the rhetoric is constant. He is encouraging them from the White House. I know you're there. I'm coming. I, I, I support you. Thank you for supporting me. So now the, we light the fuse. Well, actually, like I said, under number two, the fuse was lit. But now we are headed for the explosion. President Trump appears before the group and speaks to them right around the same time, if not during, I would say probably right on the cusp of when Congress was meeting in their joint session to do the procedure that I mentioned earlier, another ridiculously exhaustive uh, electoral college procedure. And uh, I, I would estimate he must have spoken to them sometime between 12.15 and 1.30 maybe. And I only say that because I was watching. Um, I had to go into a meeting at 12.30, but I actually was watching the pre-show, so to speak, um, as late as about 2.45, I checked in on it. And the only thing at that point uh, that was being covered on all the channels was, you know, that quiet talking that the reporters do when they're telling you that Congress is about to go in the session. And it was about maybe 12.45, 12.50. And they're like, the Congress people have assembled and they're about to go into their joint session to handle blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that's fine. So he speaks to them, and of course, he tells them all the same stuff and rah, rah, shish, boom, bah. But the bottom line of what he told them is he basically told them that they need to essentially let continue to make it clear, particularly to the legislature, that they were not going to stand for this election being stolen and that they support him and this is how we feel and let's have it. And so he told them, you go down there and you let them know. So essentially giving them marching orders. Now, his people, I am absolutely sure, him and his people are going to try to pretend that we all saw and heard something that we did not see and or hear and say that is not what he said or that is or at, at best when the words are literally thrown in their face, well, that is not what he meant. He did not encourage them to do anything, least of all, actually go to the Capitol. Well, I'm going to tell you on the front end, that's simply not true. That's exactly what he encouraged them to do. So once they got there, and I don't even think it wasn't like some organized march down the street, they went and now this is where we are. 
step four all hell breaks loose so we are at element four of how the freak did we get here where they just acted a straight ass you just had flat out and i'm going to call it what it is and if you don't like it then don't listen there was just an element of just monkey i mean i'm sorry because i'm so angry there was just an element of maskless knuckle dragging mouth breathers just coming down there just wrecking havoc it wasn't peaceful protest at all we're talking going up on the stairs breaking windows going inside it didn't take long before some woman was shot in the stomach there was um a standoff at uh at the house chamber doors there is some jackass that was that was literally inside the senate on the senate floor at one point there were several but one jackass who thought it was cool to just sit back and and plop his butt in the seat that was probably still warm from mike pence sitting on it before they had to evacuate the room it was literal and i don't think it's really changed very much just straight up pandemonium and uh you know it of course people are still calling it protest fox news was showing the market watch because they weren't going to uh show it because you got to call it what it was it was riots this was unequivocally domestic terrorism these are individuals who straight up attacked the capitol building an occupied capital building and it is and that's why i called it called this um episode what i did because when president-elect biden spoke he talked about the fact that this was an assault on many things including our democracy and one of them one of the things that he said was that this was an assault on um on the citadel which is which is essentially um basically he referred to and i and i agree with him our capitol building that is the symbol of our democracy that is what we do that is where you know things happen it is we can talk about the um separation of powers and checks and balances and the fact that we have the three branches of government but ultimately when people really think about where the power lies not that the court can't swoop in and just change everything up at any time but uh, but even for that there are procedures they have to go through in some cases may not even make it up there but ultimately when people picture what is the where the true power lies that's what they think of. Yes, the White House is symbolic and, and the Supreme Court and Lady Justice and all of that. But you think of the Capitol. And in fact, that is the area where all of the elements come together, particularly uh, the State of the Union. The justices are there. The president and vice president are there. And then, of course, you have the joint chambers. So this is truly where it happens. And it was it, it was so objectionable. 
you had the Capitol Police at one point literally standing to one side, just watching like spectators saying, uh, with the excuse being that they were waiting to get orders. Well, does someone have to tell you to stop the carnage? If if there's bleeding, does somebody have to tell you to stop it or do you just stand there and watch? And for those who look like me or those who are allies or identify with the cause of people who look like me, there is a special insult that comes along like with that because we know and we know not in the sense of hyperbole not in the sense of hypotheticals or theories we know because of our experience in this country and those experiences weren't just 50 60 70 80 100 years ago those experiences were as recent as weeks ago we know that if the individuals descending on that capital structure had been outwardly facing other than Caucasian, there would have been a whole other reaction from everybody, from the media, from the individuals watching and conveniently not saying anything, from everybody to those who remain silent on social media despite having so much to say at any other time to uh individuals in the media who insist on calling peaceful protesters rioters to individuals in the media who won't acknowledge that in that uh, a group of men who storm into the michigan capital the, the michigan uh, state capital with guns are domestic terrorists and they're not uh they're not those engaged in their freedom to protest people who like me and those who look like me or anyone like i said who is outwardly facing as other um it was interesting because on cnn one commentator and then van jones in particular mentioned how different it would be um when they mentioned uh, black people or Muslims, because again, if they're in their hijab and stuff, so again, outwardly facing something other, the reaction would be different. I know that if my son or his or those who looked like him had dared breach those capital barricades, I would have to pray that the only thing that hit them were rubber bullets because bullets would hit them. I would just have to hope and pray that those bullets were rubber as opposed to real ones. Where were the fire hoses, the tear gas, the rubber bullets, all of that? Where were the where was the reaction given to them that was given to the Black Lives Matter protesters that were near the White House the day that President Trump decided to walk across the street to the Episcopal Church? For the fake photo op. When those individuals got pushed back and treated like they were criminals, when they had been peacefully out there all day long, just so that he could cross the street. Where was the first lady in her now deleted tweet, in her now deleted tweet, talking about the fact that they were true patriots? 
because that's what she called them initially. And then I guess somebody told her to take her tweet down the way that somebody should have told her to take those ugly ass red Christmas trees down last year. Where was all of that? You know, like some like uh, some folks would say, where was all that smoke? Where was it? Because when these people went there, none of that was for them. Now, am I encouraging violence or people to be hurt or killed or stomped out or any of those things? Absolutely not. But what I am saying is when those things happen to one group of people or several groups of people and not to others, And on top of it, when the behavior is not even arguably worse or just engaging in in bad behavior, but on its face, inappropriate behavior from the moment that they broke down those barricades, nothing happened. We're standing by and watching The mayor asked for the National Guard and DOD takes his time sending them. She's got to call neighboring states and local police are potentially put in danger. What? Is that what we're doing? And don't think that it goes unnoticed that, uh, the there was a delay with bringing in the National Guard for this, yet when the Black Lives Matter protests were in D.C. and peaceful with few incidents that were easily handled by the D.C. police, uh, she was offered the National Guard and had to turn it down and say, I don't want to bring that element into the city when the protests are peaceful to incite a riot. This is a riot already taking place. Where are the tanks? Where's all the things that we have seen historically? And again, let's not pretend that this all ended in the 60s or 70s. We have an entire summer of 2020 to prove otherwise. We have situations every day to prove otherwise. Just yesterday, a decision to not bring charges against uh, the police for shooting up someone, what, seven, eight times? Because they had a knife. Am I encouraging criminal activity? If you listen to me long enough, you know better than that. Am I encouraging that our resources as uh, as citizens of a democracy via our police force, via our military be used improperly? Again, if you listen to me long enough, you know better than that. And if you are new to me, no, I don't encourage those things. It doesn't matter who those acts are perpetrated against. Wrong is wrong. However, if you're going to do it, you better do it to everybody. If you are going to stomp on, uh, if you're going to stomp on my freedoms, then you stomp on everybody's freedoms or you stomp on nobody's freedoms. 
if you are going to uh if you are going to open water hoses on my grandmother and grandfather then you damn sure better open those same hoses on uh their white neighbors grandchildren who decided that they wanted to be the grand dragon in 2021 to protest an election that's over for a president that should be removed from office even though he only have only has 2 weeks left even if it's just for the sake of doing it even if it's just to say you know what however much it may it may not even matter let's just do it let's just remove him because it's the right freaking thing to do how sick how sick is it that i am watching this and my son my 21 year old son certainly forward facing african american brown skin he even has dreadlocks in his hair one of the most gentle people you ever want to meet and the fact that i even have to freaking say that because quite frankly as long as he is minding his business and goes to work every day he could be a raging asshole if he wants to as long as he doesn't break the law at the end of the day if he wants to be a jerk and not have any friends and people not want to deal with him that is his prerogative but because he's an african american african american man of a certain size complexion and hairdo and whatever i have to remind everybody that he's one of the most gentle people you ever want to meet now he is but that ain't none of your damn business but why do i have to say that because if he was down there if he and his friends were down there if his 13-year-old sister who's actually one of the most militant people in the house and myself because she gets it from me <laughs> were down there somebody would have to remind them that while I may have a big mouth I'm probably not really likely to be able to really hurt you I don't carry a weapon I would have to defend myself the best I can with my hands and my feet. Yet, hi Derek, thanks for coming in. Yet, I have to tell you that this person is gentle. Why? Because they're forward-facing other. But these individuals get to literally try to dismantle our very institutions and then have individuals who fight for these institutions have to come in and remove them president trump is quick to say they are the party of law and order they support the guys in blue they support the military all of those things yet those are the very people who will have to who are being put in danger by nonsense whose lives are being put in danger by something that's not going to change ever just this weekend 10 living def defense secretaries secretaries of defense wrote a letter and quite frankly I'm not a member of the military I have many good friends and family members who are so I have a healthy respect for um the military and what they do 
And in reading that letter, it was very moving um, because these are men who we know probably agree on very few things, at least from a political standpoint, militarily, probably a lot, but certainly from a political standpoint, maybe not so much uh, because they were appointed by the various presidents who over the past uh, 20 years have been a mix of Democrats, Republicans, moderates, conservatives, etc. But they came together on this letter because the one thing that they agreed on as it relates to where we are now is that there is no place for the military in dealing with what is supposed to be the peaceful transition of power. That they did not feel in their uh, years of experience and expertise, that this was something that the time and the resources of the military should be wasted on. So instead of uh, waiting for Congress or whomever to debate it, the individuals who know better than anybody took the time to get together and write a statement letting you know, just in case you want to know, we're the experts and we're telling you this is some bullshit and leave our boys alone. And men and women. <laughs> so um, it's, it is very disturbing that you have all of these people. And now today you have Republicans who have supported all of this nonsense. They're out they're on CNN and they're calling in and they're tweeting even President Trump's former um, uh, I guess she was his either his press secretary or she was one of his public information officers and she comes in saying President Trump you've got to tell people to stop and all of these people are tweeting because they figure he's going to watch Twitter you have our president-elect who goes on and he makes a statement and basically calls him out he more or less said, man the freak up and come out on television, we know you love it, and tell your people to shut this crap down. Did he do it? No. He went on Twitter, and maybe he thought his people would see him on Twitter. But what he did was a statement that was just meant to say, Okay, assholes, you asked for a statement. I gave you a statement. What he said to them didn't encourage them to go home. In fact, it probably encouraged them to stay a few more days. He he told a group of people who have already injured officers in some form or fashion have been responsible for somebody being shot. Doesn't matter who did it. If the riot hadn't happened, the shot wouldn't have happened. Who have individuals in the Senate chamber and in the House under desk. Some of those people are old as hell and they're in there scared. Not to mention the fact that if this ain't a super spreader event, I don't know what is. And he gets on the air and says, I love you, which was actually probably the most sincere thing he said. And then went on a full-blown rant about the election was stolen, this has never happened in history, the blah, 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 but I want you to go home peacefully. How exactly does that work? You've got people all wound up. You've got 
individuals from the clan. You've got people from who is the Proud Boys. Apparently, they have degrees. Did you know that? And apparently, one of the fourth degree Proud Boys who's there is this black guy. I didn't even know that they had degrees. I don't know what that is. It sounds like you move up when you, it's kind of like getting jumped into a gang, I guess. I don't know. Bunch of punks, if you ask me. How is that going to calm anybody down? So, but I'm going to try and calm down a little bit. So finally, the other piece, well, there's, there's actually two pieces. So second to last, just going to go back to the Electoral College piece. And again, the fact that it is outmoded and ridiculous. Congress is still attempting, as they should, to complete their business today. It'll be interesting to see if the objections that I told you all about earlier actually happen. Because given what happened uh, and what is what is going on and what is probably going to go on well into the, the evening, if not overnight, um, there... Uh, it, people who make objections are going to look real, real extra crazy. But then again, 60 plus cases thrown out of court and they aren't backing down. So clearly they don't care about looking crazy. At any rate, um, talk about finding yourself in a constitutional and statutorial quagmire with this outmoded institution. So let's call this 1001, the 1001st reason why uh, the EC should be thrown out. Um, the There is nothing in the Constitution that actually requires them to be in the same place at the same time to uh, to accept these votes and make the certification. And the reason why that is an issue is because per the Constitution, there has to be that this is decided by the joint chamber, which is the Senate and the House of Representatives, which is why they were doing this huge joint session in the big room, you know, where um, it's, it's basically the big area where uh, the... Um, State of the Union addresses because, again, they've got the seat for the Senate pro tem and, and all of that. So at any rate, while the Constitution requires them to be in the joint session, it does not say that they actually have to be together. And the reason why that's significant right now is because I'm assuming based on the way that they sit, when they were able to be safely evacuated from the joint chamber, since uh, most of the senators, give or take a few, went into one area, and of course the same thing with the House members, of which there are substantially more, and there just there's concern, obviously, about bringing them all together, given the situation, and on top of that, there you know there's no chance or at least from a security standpoint, it doesn't make any sense for them to go back into the joint chamber because that whole thing has to be swept and probably additional security or whatever. So it's going to be at least 24 to 48 hours as it relates to um, that area being usable because of everything that happened. So long story short, the reason why um, 
So it shouldn't be an issue, right? You put everybody on Zoom or some other technology. Nope. While the Constitution does not require them all to necessarily be in the same place, the stupid uh they somebody added some regular statutes to this because they couldn't just leave it simple and there is a statute that specifically says they need to be in the joint chamber so of course now all the scholars are together trying to get around that and suspending the rule and blah 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 so anyway, uh, silly, that's what happens when you over-legislate. This is no different than if you're in an organization and you bylaw yourself to death. I warn people about that all the time. You box yourself in. If you want something to be a living, breathing document, then you make the rules that you need to follow. And everything else you, you can kind of deal with in, in some procedural manner. But there should not be a statute that requires you to be in a specific room. I mean, what type of, you know, ridiculous, but that's neither here nor there. It's just the, this added piece of lunacy. And finally, just for something that is interesting and cool and is going to just make uh, some of these folks even angrier is the Senate runoff uh, at, for the state of Georgia finally occurred it was to it was yesterday i was going to say it was today um it was yesterday but the uh getting the results ran into today and it looks like both of the democrats warnock and ossoff won their elections warnock was declared the winner probably at about three o'clock in the morning um and that is he is a reverend and so in those who are members of the divine nine he's also an alpha who went to morehouse college and then ossoff his election took a little longer because the thought is that there were some people who voted for warnock because his people were so good at making sure that his vote got out, but not all of them voted for Orsoff. So he, he uh, at this point, is being projected the winner by a much smaller margin. In fact, it's pretty thin um, in the sense that uh, he's they're struggling to keep it above the 0.5% mark to keep him um, from to keep it from triggering an automatic runoff, his um, challenger has already said that she is going to um, that she is going to uh, that he is going to challenge it. So it's neither here nor there. But at least right now, that the there is those numbers put it over and even if he didn't win and it went 50 50 what happens in the senate because again we don't get this very often what happens in the senate is that the senate president who is the vice president carries the uh carries the uh deciding vote and that would be um Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, in which case she would be the deciding factor to make the speaker of the uh, to make the uh, the majority leader Chuck Schumer. And so that would, of course, remove Mitch's power to a to a degree. But that would also mean that um, president-elect uh, president, I'm sorry, vice president-elect Harris 
uh, has to be sitting in that seat for all major votes, which the vice president doesn't always have time to do. So hopefully um, the OSOF win can, uh, it, it does not trigger an automatic runoff again because of being below 0.5% and it's just a matter of the other side being a sore loser, going to court and, you know, losing. And that'll be that. As it, um, the other piece, which is a little fun, is that uh, Loeffler, who was the woman that was running for that seat, uh, is one of the owners of the Atlanta Dream, which is the WNBA team in Atlanta. Most of her team, the starting lineup and several other players all took a picture saying hashtag Warnoff and vote Warnoff uh, shirts showing that despite the fact that she's part owner, they do not support her. Um, that picture made it everywhere and got into the hands of LeBron James, who tweeted it out and said, well, clearly they don't want to work for her um, or support her. So he is um, looking into putting together in um, a buyer group to see about buying the team. So we'll follow that. Don't know if that's going to be serious, if he's going to go through with that, but that is very interesting. Hello, Mr. A entering the live studio. So that is, uh, so that's where we are today. I've got to tell you, uh, we've got a lot of interesting stuff coming up. As I said, this was an impromptu show. You didn't even get the cool music in the beginning, but lots more coming up this week, including our, my wrap up with my, um, Bravo co-host, Sharita Palin for the, our Real Housewives. Uh, reviews we have um, last week was kind of uneventful with Salt Lake City so we're going to do the double review like we did so I expect that we'll probably be doing that uh, tomorrow or Friday I've got a lot of backstage uh, and behind the scenes news there you will also be getting the new edition which I'm very excited excited about which is which is just John does LBD and that is our weekly legal breakdown there are so many cases going on that at least initially you may even get a couple of extra episodes or I'll keep you in suspense I haven't decided yet but there are a lot of cases going on as I said uh, the Tom Girardi case there are new things being filed in that every day more decisions as recently as Yesterday, uh, Mariah Huck from Married to Medicine has filed a case against uh, Bravo. Um, I've got some interesting stuff about the pro. Um, I've got some interesting stuff uh, from behind the scenes with Bravo in terms of their contracts for the housewives, and there are several other real life cases that we are discussing as well as legal questions from you. And if there's any cases that you would like me to explore and discuss that are out there in the news, I am excited and more than happy to do it. We have, um, I have a great time uh, dissecting the cases for you all. It's one of my most favorite things to do. So I look forward uh, to that as well and um, just having lots of fun on the show. Otherwise, I will 
talk to you soon, probably within the next 24 hours, because things are just popping out here in these streets. So as always, if you're thinking about it and want to talk about it, I'm probably thinking about it and want to talk about it with you. So let's be honest together. Don't forget to listen on all of the um on all of the platforms we're even on even on verbal now and of course if you have itunes go on there listen give us five stars and follow me on all social media platforms thank you so much for hanging with me and good night